And when capitalism goes into crisis, there are only a few alternatives to that. And the one that is often used to try and save capitalism is the rise of fascism, that it is used as a way to protect the capitalist system so that for those people saying that the problem is capitalism, that others can turn around, like you said, Jeremy, and say, you know, the problem isn't capitalism, it's something else. It's immigrants, it's, um, you know, Mexicans, it's um, free trade, it's whatever it happens to be that day, but blame something other than capitalism. And that's where we're at. We're at that rise of the fascist system to try and protect capitalism. Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash forgottencornerpod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. Uh, today we have a little bit of a special treat for you guys. It's uh, a, a Just Us episode, but we thought that this we were going to do something um, after the election and maybe have some chat about the U.S. election here. And uh, of course, it's Wednesday and we still don't technically know who won. But uh, that's what our plan is here today. But I just want to, before we get to that, uh, say hello to my uh, good friend and co-host, Jeremy Appel. Jerome, I hear you got a bit of an announcement to make. How are you doing? Well, yes, I do. I'm, uh, I'm doing quite well, even though the world is like crumbling around me. And some days I wake up crying. Um, first of all, I have a new mic, as listeners may be able to hear. Um, celebratory moment for this yeah, podcast no, and our I, listeners. I also got a new job, uh, which you may have heard of, at an outlet in Calgary called The Sprawl, which you should all check out and maybe give them some money. I will be moving to Calgary in a few weeks slash a month. So, you know, new mic, new job, new city, new Jeremy. Nope. Uh, like you're, we're running out of people that are actually living in this forgotten corner. That is the name of our podcast, but we'll cross that bridge when Mo the only one left. We are joined today for this special Just Us episode by uh, uh, our resident expert, Dr. Roberta Lexier from Mount Royal University. Uh, if you haven't heard her before, she's a uh, political activist expert. Um, and uh, this is a uh, definitely something that she's going to have an opinion on tonight. Roberta, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, you know, been a weird, weird week and time is just in this weird moment of, of, I thought something happened two weeks ago and somebody told me it was just last week and then the election <laughs> was yesterday, but it feels like eight years ago. I'm, time is just so weird. So I don't know what's happening, but I'm good. It's all good. Yeah, we, awesome. We've been wanting to have you on the show uh, for a long time. So I'm, I'm glad we were finally able to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ramona. It's right? our fifth, fifth or sixth appearance, but that's, well, maybe even more than that, but that's good. We also have uh, Mo Cranker, our, our editor and producer and all things in between. He'll wave to you, but he doesn't necessarily. Have, oh, he's going to unmute. Say it. Hi. Hi. What's up? Okay. Go How away. We're going to do. I'm really good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean go away. I love you, but go away. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Am I leading us into this? No, no, we're good. So I just, where are we at here? Like, let, let's let people know where we're at in the election. So like we can, cause this is Wednesday night. So we've got what Michigan and Wisconsin I for think, Biden, right? Yeah. I think they've been called for Biden. I actually uh, am a Michigan voter. I, I voted for Biden. I voted straight Democrat. Lesser wait, two wait enough. Fuck it up this time. Yeah, well, we won't talk about 2016. No, no, no. no. But you're not the only one. Yeah, I'm not. Um, but yeah, I noticed last night when the votes were coming in from Michigan and it was like overwhelmingly Trump. It's like clearly they haven't counted the mail in ballots yet because, I mean, just broadly speaking, mail in ballots do tend to swing Democratic uh, even uh, in other years because it's a lot of people living abroad and. Democrats tend to be the more cosmopolitan uh, party. Um, and now, of course, with the pandemic, uh, you know, that's even heightened because um, Democrats are more likely to take the pandemic seriously, as you can just see by the uh, respective campaigns of the two parties. Um, but yeah, obviously, everything that we expected to happen happened. Um, and yeah, which, which states are we still waiting on? Uh, Nevada's contested pretty hard. I just Georgia. pulled it up and we have Nevada, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Georgia are still outstanding. And that's it. But I did see not long ago some that Arizona might be flipping. It's all, all up in the air at the moment. It's hard to tell what's actually happening. Bottom line is, is that right now it does kind of look like it's going to be it looks like Joe Biden's going to get to 270, which is how many electoral college votes you need to obviously anybody listening to this probably knows that. But 270 electoral college votes would give him the presidency. Um, the What I want to talk about today, because uh, there's no sense in talking about exactly what is the results are, because by the time we release this in a couple of days, things are going to have changed. But assuming that's the case. Donald Trump has already made it extremely clear and and he made it very clear leading up to the election, right? That he, you know, he was laying the groundwork for this, the mail-in ballots are going to be fraudulent. We're going to have all these problems, right? So now he's doing exactly what we fear, what I don't want to say fear, but we figured he was going to do as far as um, he's come out. He's basically declared victory. He said, this is all crap. He, he's, all these things that are new to an American election. What are your guys' thoughts on what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks here as he rallies his troops, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I mean, so uh, the way I was approaching this election was that really the only way things were going to be relatively easy was if Joe Biden won in a landslide. And I mean, like a landslide. Aside from that, anything close was going to lead to, I guess, for lack of a better term, a shit show, which I think is exactly where we're at. And as the results were coming in yesterday and today, um, and just seeing how close it is, um, it really does open the door to a strategy that, as you said, Scott, that Trump has been really trying to establish for months now, maybe even years at this point, of really um, trying to discredit the whole system, the mail-in voting system 
system. But also they've been working, the Republican Party has worked very hard to stack the courts to be able to use them in this situation for exactly this reason, to be able to challenge some of these things. I mean, his speech last night, Tuesday night, I guess we should specify where we're at. Um, but his speech Tuesday night was basically, you know, get the Supreme Court to shut this all down, stop counting votes. Well, I mean, this is the strategy they've been developing. So I think being this close, even if Joe Biden pulls it out by the end of this, whenever we end up airing this or whatever ends up happening, I, I think this has been set up to be exactly the concern I had about the election and what Donald Trump might do in response. Yeah, I, I suspect, and I, I hope I'm wrong, which I've been saying a lot the past you know, six, seven months, and uh, keep uh, unfortunately being right, um, is that Trump's going to remain president. That, I mean, even if Biden wins, I mean, the courts are so stacked in his favor. He's created enough uncertainty about the result, right? Like you saw in his incredibly uh, scary, but uh, also completely um, expected speech. It's where, you know, he's creating this air of uncertainty, like, oh, we were winning. We were, we were going to have such a great uh, victory pardon night. But then all of a sudden they just stopped counting votes. And then all these votes came in. And, you know, like everything Trump says to his followers, it doesn't matter if there's anything to back it up because uh, many of them um, support him with a religious uh, fervor uh, that you see, you know, particularly with the, the, the QAnon uh, crowd, and those people are not going away, and a lot of them have guns, and <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be nasty. I mean, just, uh, you see that video from that polling station in Detroit? That was just, I'm getting yeah. mobbed by yes. the it's just yes. chanting, stop the vote. Yeah, yeah. That, did the, you see his shirt? Barbecue, uh, beer, and freedom, I think, was his... <laughs> Nice. For sure. Cool. But, but, but I mean, the scary thing is these people have all the guns. Well, they don't have all the guns. They have a lot of guns, but there's also. No, but I said that to, I said that to Colin today, Colin Gallant, a reporter at the Medicine Hat News. We were talking about this and Friend of the like, show. we were just, yeah, we, we were kind of uh, like, not, I don't want to say laughing, but like sort of like strange haha at how, you know, one side is um, talking about, uh, like, oh, you know, uh, sure hope Biden squeaks her out here in the end. And, and the other side is, has been like waiting for the fight yeah. that Trump is going to call them out to. And they got fucking guns. Like these are, these are, these are people that are ready to fight and they're armed. And so it's not that I think that we're going to have like a, a civil war here right away. Um, obviously it would take a lot of things spiraling and a lot of time to actually go to something like that. But if, if, if Biden is declared the president of the United States, more than just going to the court system, like legally challenging it, Trump is already starting to like heed the call to his followers. Like, you're going to have to stand up and demand that this shit doesn't happen. Yeah, he, he told and the... those people aren't going to stand up and be like holding hands, walking down the street, like let Trump in. They're going to be fucking mob like. And, and even his messaging leading up to the election, right? It, it, it seemed more about just sowing chaos 
than actually you know traditional um, political advertising that is to win elections. Like I mean, there's always been you know fear has always been you know, fear mongering is a huge element of uh, you know, modern political advertising, right? Like from the Johnson uh, you know nuclear warfare ad um, to you know. Um, um, the, George Bush Sr. and Willie Horton, right? I mean, that's a huge part, but it seems here, I mean, it's like Antifa are like coming to the suburbs to like behead, um, you know, uh, white men. And um, Trump is the only thing standing in the way of that. And if Trump loses, like that's the end of America. And I'm, I'm young, right? So I, I mean, my memory of the Bush years is pretty hazy, but I don't recall that type of, um, you know, extremely um, um, volatile rhetoric. Well, and I think what's interesting slash horrifying at this particular moment, I mean, I always say things are interesting because I'm an academic, but living through them, they're not overly interesting other than the nightmares that they cause. But one of the things I, I find fascinating about, about this particular situation that's different, I think, than the George W. Bush years is that there has been a concerted attack on American democracy for the past at least decade, maybe longer, where we saw it really with the emergence of the Tea Party and this sort of libertarian model of, of governance where really their whole goal was to break down the institutions of society. And that wasn't just about defunding social security and, um, you know, fighting against Obamacare or whatever all those things are. The real goal of the Tea Party and the people who have become um, sort of splintered off of that and developed over the years, and now I would say these QAnon people and others, is really to break down this system that's been developed in the U.S. over the last couple of hundred years. And and you know what, I never really thought I would live through the collapse of the American empire, but I legitimately think that's what's happening here, that what we're seeing is a democracy that was held up around the world, hypocritically and problematically, of course, but it was always from you know 1776 onwards, it was held up as this sort of model of the ideal society of a great democracy, of how the people can influence their society, you know, government for the people, by the people. And I think over the last at least decade, we've seen a real crushing of that, a real disintegration of that system. And I think what's happening right now in this election is a really good example of that. So we're going to have, you know, the, the people in the media and others saying, you know, the votes are bad, we can't trust um, mail-in ballots, all that kind of, of rhetoric we've been hearing. But we also have militias, as you said, you know, mounting their resistance in the, in the woods of Michigan um, and Oregon and all these other places where they've been arming themselves. And that how is that not the collapse of a system that was held up as this amazing example of democracy? Yeah, there's a great sure. book I, I, I read uh, last year, a couple of years ago, uh, Alt America by David Neuer. And it sort of, it traces the origins of the Trump movement back to um, you know, the, the sort of anti-government, um, uh, you know, quote-unquote patriot movement that uh, came out of the uh, Waco debacle in the early 90s. I mean, that, that radical, I know uh, it out, uh, radicalized uh, 
Alex Jones, who um, is uh, back in the headlines because uh, Joe Rogan had him on a Spotify show. But, um, you know, and, and, and of course, Timothy McVeigh, right? So these, I mean, obviously, as like, uh, you know, Marxists of sorts. Uh, I was I explaining to, sorry, I was explaining the Waco scenario to Mo just the other day, actually. And how like that like birthed the Alex Jones and the Timothy McVeighs and all of these things. Sorry to interrupt. It was just funny. Right. That but, but well, it, and I think on that, sorry, I just want to add to that, which is I think this ideal or this ideology of individualism that's so much at the core of the U.S. system. And I think that's where you see those people in Waco and the militia and Timothy McVeigh and now this libertarianism where it's really like we don't need society. We don't need government. We don't need community. We have we're just ourselves and now we're in this shithole of a country as a result of it it's funny you should bring that up because it's one of the things i did want to mention today too because um on t like first of all joe biden has like 71 million votes so far or something like that it's the most a, a president's ever gotten history now obviously that climbs because their population climbs yada 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 um but trump got quite a few million more votes than he got in 2016. So a lot of people came out and added their vote to him. And so um, people that I've talked to in the last 24 hours are just fucking stunned by this. Like how, how could this many people still want to vote for him? And so you brought up this end the, the individualistic society and it, it kind of is the exact same way. And what we have to understand, like we, we fight for collectivism all the time. What people really need to start grasping hard is that in an individualistic society, people are going to be individualistic, not just the politicians, but the voters. And so when you say to them, like, well, how can they not care about the 240,000 people that have died of COVID. Well, because they're fucking, the people voting are still alive. Like they don't give a fuck. They're not dead. They didn't die of COVID. Do you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like how many people do you know that have died of COVID in Canada? You and I, I don't know anyone. I don't know. Right. Anyone. But, so but proportionately it's hard. An American is unlikely to it, know someone that died as well. So not to say that 240,000 people dead isn't humongous, but it's not hard to wrap your brain around the idea that someone in fucking South Carolina doesn't give a shit. I, I, I first of all, I do think most Americans do know someone who has died of COVID um, because it's that bad there um, compared to up here. Um, but um, what I found incredibly shocking uh, statistic that uh, was going around social media last night and it's true that in the counties most heavily impacted by covid trump increased his support from 2016. so i think what this shows is a really interesting reality of what's happening in the u.s is that people are disgruntled people are upset people are disengaged people's lives suck they're dealing with covid they're dealing with unemployment they're dealing with still uh foreclosures from 2008 i mean really most people are suffering pretty badly and what they want is an alternative and what they weren't offered from the democratic party is an alternative and trump as problematic as he is in so many levels 
for many people who just feel that their lives are out of control and that they don't have any opportunities, he seems like a good alternative because it's different. It's something better um, because it's different. And this is where I think that individualism and this sort of lack of alternative are feeding in together to to create a, a real problem in the US where Trump is seen as this kind of outsider who can um, you know, step above politics and deal with all of this stuff. But the reality is people just want their lives to be better and they don't have any other options for that other than Trump. But I also do have to say that watching his vote totals go up is really traumatic. I mean, it's really, really horrifying to think that these things are not deal breakers for other people, like not even the 240,000 people that have died of COVID. But what about the kids in cages in the South? And what about, Didn't you know, my kid in cages? Well, yeah. uh, to be I'm fair, serious. Uh, this uh, is no, how I, they, I understand what you're uh, saying. But my fair, point is that it's fair, horrifying that this is those aren't deal breakers to those people. That's the concern the, I have. Yeah, yes. But also, it's worth noting that Obama put a lot. Oh, 100 percent. Well, right. Like, like, I'm of two minds because there is a certain tendency i think in like liberal uh circles to act like trump is the trump is the the disease and not the symptom of it but as as you alluded to roberta i mean this has been going on a very long time and um you, i i think that a lot of people realize that something is fundamentally broken in the system, especially in the United States, but also elsewhere in the Western world where you're seeing uh, far right populists do well in elections. And there are those who say correctly that the problem is capitalism, right? The problem is the system. And it seems that everywhere um, that movement gains steam within a sort of center left party, it's immediately, not immediately, but it's quashed ultimately. I mean, the extreme example of that is labor uh, deliberately uh, throwing the election, uh, trying to in 2017, and then Corbyn actually did pretty well, and then actually doing it last year. Um, and then what, what, what that does is all these people who are just so broken down from, you know, this, this system are ripe for um, being taken advantage of uh, by these demagogues who are telling people, no, the problem isn't capitalism. The, the problem is, uh, you know, declining white birth rates, right? The, the, the problem is China, right? Which Biden is also very bad on, right? And do we want to talk a bit about how like, if you look at Biden's track record, it is very bad. In the well, I think I think this is the point I was trying to make in some ways is that there were no alternatives presented to the American populace this time around. And and where there were, the American population really got behind them. So Cori Bush, for instance, won as the first Democratic Socialist candidate um, in, uh, in the U.S. I mean, it's complicated because others have been supported, but she won her seat. Um, and, and the sort of power four women all re won their seats in re-election. And so, like, I, I you know, Biden was never going to be the 
a big, exciting alternative for anybody. And I think that's part of the problem is that that there was no alternative presented and therefore nothing to, to get people excited about. But I think another thing that's really interesting about this is that this isn't the first time this has happened. I mean, this is as much as history changes and, and I'm not a big fan of just looking at exact um, comparisons. I think, you know, Jeremy, you talked about the, the problem being capitalism and it. We are in a crisis of capitalism. We have been since 2008 um, and even worse now with the pandemic and other things, but we're in a crisis of capitalism. And when capitalism goes into crisis, there are only a few alternatives to that. And the one that is often used to try and save capitalism is the rise of fascism, that it is used as a way to protect the capitalist system. So that for those people saying that the problem is capitalism, that others can turn around, like you said, Jeremy, and say, you know, the problem isn't capitalism, it's something else. It's immigrants, it's, um, you know, Mexicans, it's um, free trade, it's whatever it happens to be that day, but blame something other than capitalism. And that's where we're at. We're at that rise of the fascist system to try and protect capitalism. And those are our options. That's where we're at. And I don't think Joe Biden was going to be all that much better for this. But I think it's a symbolic issue in terms of how close this election is to really show how divided the U.S. is and and really how um, how much their system is just collapsing from the inside. Right. I mean, you can we can like again, Biden. I I agree. Like, wasn't the candidate that I would have picked, but he like I. I just finished saying like he did get a record number of votes in history of the country. So he got, people came out to vote for him. People came out to vote against Trump. What that doesn't do, that doesn't say anything about the people that came out extra to vote for Trump this time. Like those people, those same people weren't going to have voted for Bernie either. They came out for Trump still. And so what we were talking about, how he appeals to these people. And I, I'm going to, bring up somebody that we dislike on this sh show or I know Jeremy hates a fucking lot and I don't know if you heard the goddamn smug interview with Sam Harris that he was posted recently where he talked about like why he had this epiphany or whatever about I, I, I saw I saw uh, I saw anyway, clips of it uh going around but anyway uh, if you anyways, listen to it it's it's super smug and it's not very um you know it's not but he, he, the point he's, the, there are points in there, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that aren't incorrect. One of those points being is that, like, fucking Trump appeals to people because he tells them that they're the fucking best. You're fine. You're fine. You're not racist. You're not, there's no climate issue. All of the, like, it's all, the world is not, like, all of that threatening nonsense. Of, like, you didn't own a slate. Like, you're fine. You are fucking awesome. Don't worry about it. And I'm going to make sure that it stays that way. And that appeals to a lot of people who look at the world like they're being told constantly that they're doing something wrong or something is wrong with the world around them. And they don't necessarily want that to be the case. And I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on that, I guess, Jeremy, because like, I know we hate, like, I know you hate Sam Harris a lot and like, there's a lot of fucking very good reasons to hate that guy but that particular point is somewhat sound don't you think 
Yeah. Wouldn't I, you think, I do yeah. think that protect I'm sure he said a bunch of other things before and after it that were unbelievable. <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying. It's but, not a But yeah, I mean that and you know, I've read I've I've read Sam Harris uh, several of his books when I was like a teenager and I was like, yeah. If if only mm-hmm. everyone were atheists, then like there would be world peace. Been there. Um, but we have to nuke Muslims first. Um uh but um no, that is, that is a good point. Uh, that, but but the the flip side to that, and I I would imagine where he's going with that is that the Democrats were telling everyone that they're racist and sexist and correct. And and I mean, there is some truth to that. If you want to win people over, um, you can't tell you them can't that they're bad. Them. You can't call That's them right. horribles. Right. Um, but. At the same time, like, like I think Bernie would have pulled out way ahead in like the Rust Belt states um, because Biden, if, you know, if you look at his track record, I mean, he helped create a lot of these problems that Trump is the symptom of. Uh, if we're talking about free trade or corporate deregulation or um, support for the Iraq war or uh, the drug war, I mean, Biden's got his hands all over that, and so I, I, and I, I think Bernie uh, represented a fundamental break in in the same way that Trump did, um, but it was in a manner that was constructive rather than destructive, and I. Um, uh, you know, and I think we're going to be seeing attacks that uh, I can guarantee we're going to be seeing attacks that Biden didn't do as well as people had hoped because of the left, right? That they didn't get in line fast enough, that they weren't enthusiastic. Um, yeah. And all that. But uh, to, directly answer your question like yeah i i I think that is uh um fairly insightful into the sort of the the psychological appeal of donald trump but of course there's just like so much more going on there than that well obviously i mean and like again if you're and i i hate to be like (laughs) judge you know but like if you're not if you're if you if you're lacking a proper education or if you've whatever like you 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 might be susceptible to things like that if you're like catastrophic language appear appeals to people who are afraid or ignorant right like these are the things because you hear and he talks like that all the time right now can i just say something on that because i also think that part of the problem it, it links back to something i said earlier which is people aren't given any other option for a solution to their problems so i think it's, it's totally true that people don't want to hear that they're racist or they're sexist or they're homophobic or they're bad people for being those things, more importantly, I guess. Um, but more importantly, I think most people in the United States just know that their lives suck right now, that they're not doing so great. And they don't really know, not because they're ignorant necessarily, but because the system is very good at hiding its own operations, that they don't know what the real 
problems are behind their their oppression and so they're told every day that the problem is that there are too many immigrants or that muslims are coming into the country or that um you know uh the china is trying to send its diseases to us or russia's doing whatever they're doing and they don't they're not given a different option to think through about what a different way of thinking that through would be and so like i look i mean i'm i'm cynical i think many people are really horrible and racist and really bad and vote for trump because of those things but i also legitimately think that a lot of people vote for him because they they know their lives suck and nobody else is offering them anything to promise them better. And as somebody who pays attention to the world and feels horrible 99% of the time, I wouldn't mind somebody just being like, yeah, you're okay. All's good. You're fine. I could follow along with that. I mean, I, I couldn't because it's not my personality, but like I get the, the comfort in that. And so what I think we need to do or people need to do is present that alternative. I say it all the time, like show people that the problem isn't what Trump says it is. And in fact, it's this other problem, which is capitalism. And so that's that's my attitude. I mean, I do think there's a lot of racists out there and I think there's a lot of horrible people who don't want the end of a white supremacy system where you know they're they're seeing their opportunities decline. But they're being told the wrong reasons for that. And I think if we actually just talked more about the real reasons, people might smarten the hell up. But yeah, I think uh, Tony Hesey Coates said a few years ago that you know, not all Trump voters are racist, but his racism wasn't a deal breaker for them. Right. And uh, in, in, in sort of characteristic uh Ta-Nehisi Coates fashion, and I think he's a great writer, he doesn't like offer up any like sort of solution to it. He just sort of describes um, things as they are. But I mean, we, you know, we on the left have to look at why that is and how we can change that. And I mean, I'm not like an organizer. I, I don't, I don't have any of the answers, but I think that um, some semblance of an answer lies in addressing that. Uh, question of how do we get these angry people who are, you know, I think a lot of them are racist. Some of them are willing to overlook Trump's racism, but how do we, how do we change these people's perceptions on a mass scale? And I don't even know if we can do that within the liberal democratic uh, system. You can't do it over the course of like, a fucking term so i mean that's decades long in the making it's decades long to fix like a lot of those things are generational die-offs right like you don't talk to too many people that don't think women should vote but like in 1920 they're they're all over the place they probably had to fucking die off like they didn't a lot of people went to their grave thinking that women shouldn't vote a lot of people are going to go to their grave thinking gay sh- people shouldn't be able to marry each other you know and these some of these things are generationally just going to need to fucking die off and that's just kind of the case with some of that like deep-rooted racism i think like if like this is an opportunity where anyone could have should have been able to win this election if if joe biden gets the record for votes in history somebody with like some bolder ideas 
was going to probably win this election as well. And this would have been a great opportunity to provide, then go off into the next four years and provide some of these things like the healthcare, like the whatever that would bring them into like the 21st century of like social safety net ideas, right? And then they might see how those things are. I don't think you're gonna be like seeing too many of them like with the beer barbecue beer freedom shirt just being like oh okay like i like brown people now that's probably not going to happen before we go though i do want to ask um leave on this note like let's say like when this all ends like let's say it's just a few months of like unrest and people are pissed off but in january biden is sworn in as president of the united states which he's probably going to win in the next couple of days so this is something that could happen in january what does the next four years look like? Because once this man is the president, people are going to focus on the fact that like he's pretty fucking old and forgetful. And like, I don't want to be rude, but like, do you not think that the same people like Ob Obama was like one of the like most well collected speakers ever? Like he was a powerful like room grabber, you know, say what you want about anything like he inspired people and by the end of his time in the white house people were ready to elect a donald trump like do you i'm worried that biden kind of looking silly is going to just feed like the fox and friends and these kinds of things and help them bring out another fucking wing nut for four years from now. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Biden uh, is obviously not going to run for re-election. Like, who knows if he'll even... <laughs> he might live. not live that long. Right? And um, Kamala Harris, I mean, he made a conscious decision to choose someone uh, as his running mate who is a person of color and a woman and who is exactly uh, part of the same uh, system that he's a part of, right? I mean... I don't, I mean, what does Joe Biden do to win over the left, right? It's just like, I'm not Trump. It's like either me or Trump. So take your pick, um, right? Or telling black people that they ain't black if they don't vote for him, which was on a comedy show um, that was hosted by an African-American. But uh, nonetheless, probably not a great thing to say. Um, and I fear that even if Trump does um step down like a normal president and that's a big if who, who i mean trumpism is still alive QAnon is still um you know percolating uh, online i mean yeah they're banned from most mainstream uh, they're banned from facebook uh, I, and youtube i don't think they're banned from twitter because I, I see a hell of a lot of q accounts uh, um around um and I mean, they're going to have someone, they're going to find someone who's like, like, uh, I mean, the first QAnon um, fanatic was elected to Congress. Uh, what's her name again? All you got to do is get somebody to stand up there and just Marjorie, point their... Marjorie Taylor Greene. And like, she's young. Um, she's clearly uh, driven a lot of enthusiasm. And I... Right. And so this is just, I mean, this is something that's just going to keep descending in, in, in the long term. Um, but even in the short term, like, like who knows what's going to happen in four years.
Who knows if there will be an election in four years? Who knows? Like, Roberta, what's the Joe Biden presidency look like? Well, I think, first of all, I want to say there's no guarantee that even if he wins the Electoral College or the popular vote that he gets inaugurated in January. But assuming he does, let's just assume he does. Um, And I think what we've seen now is a huge divide in the U.S. that Joe Biden is in no way prepared or... Um, able to to breach that divide. Um, he they abandoned the left to win this to try and win this election and did not win over the Republicans that they hoped to win over in the middle. Um, and so that strategy was a huge failure. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, one thing I want to mention too is that it's not just the presidential election we should keep our eye on um, right now because the Senate is currently at a 48-46 split in favor of the Republicans. And if they control the Senate. Um, That makes things very difficult. The House is more um, in favor of the Democrats, but not a majority as of right now. Um, And so I think um, we are going to see, I mean, I think we're in the midst of the collapse of the American empire. And I think it's going to be ugly. And I think it's going to be really, really problematic for all of us in all sorts of different ways. And I've joked about this before, but I'm not sure I'm joking anymore that I'm very glad our border is closed. Um, and I would really like to, to firm that up a little bit because I think even a Joe Biden presidency, it's not going to solve any of these problems. And in fact, I think we'll spiral it closer to the collapse of this, this country that they created a couple hundred years ago. I mean, there's going to be a QAnon insurgency if Joe Biden is inaugurated. And then what happens? You know? Well, and I think this is the thing I think I want to keep my eye on is how the Republican Party responds to the results, because I think one of the options that they had was to come out and, and distance themselves from Donald Trump, that the Republican Party could at this point be like, OK, fuck, like we've gone down this road. It's helped us out, but we really got to cut our ties with this guy. And they're not, which I think shows that they are going to fight this to the bitter end. And I think the problem is that they're going to lose control very quickly because a friend of mine was like, well, but that's where police and military are for. And I said, but who are they going to who are they going to come out and protect like the militia or the people like it's going to get very ugly. And I think even if Joe Biden is gets that inauguration day in January, um, it, none of this is solved. We have major, major problems coming for the next. Well, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is just like in a world that we get through that part and he actually no takes i'm saying office. even if he is in office none of this is good <laughs> yeah okay yeah i though i mean i don't have much skin in the game because my president is uh xi jinping so uh, <laughs> shout out to xi and um we look forward to uh making glorious propaganda for you in the coming years solid note to end on okay well so we have to get out of here but um i enjoyed chatting with you guys a little bit about this i mean it's a fucking nightmare so who knows what's gonna happen next but we kind of know like we we know it just what i'm more concerned with i guess is or interested to see is like the level of which his supporters like literally take to the streets like he's going to have people on his side there's no question 
but are they willing to go into the streets to deal with this on and on what level like 10 at a time a thousand at a time twenty thousand at a time so that's going well, to be I interesting to see I was going to say, I think that's a really good point. And I think the Democrats do not have that, even in like the maybe tweeting for them kind of thing. Like, I don't think Joe Biden inspires people to go out in the streets and fight, whereas Donald Trump does. And so we'll see. I mean, I think the sad part well, is this is very ugly and nothing is resolved as of what when I'm we saying, like, said That's what I said earlier. Like one side is ready to more ready to have a fight like this than the other or more interested in this fight than the other and so that's going to be pretty crazy to see anyways um that's going to do it for uh, the forgotten corner this week you guys and our step away from the alberta uh political scene um we've got a a guest coming up next week there'll be a little bit about the alberta political scene but it'll be a little bit about a, a lot of things and uh we hope you guys tune in for that um special guest that we have coming up uh this is the time in the show where we thank our uh patrons who go well above and beyond anything we could ask for uh dave bond miller uh big red machine and uh the uh irreplaceable very important chris sterwold um thank you so much you guys Appreciate everything you guys do to our other patrons. Thank you guys so much. Smash five stars, subscribe, share. Um, and uh, thanks for coming out. Jerome, peace. Peace. Roberta, Stay love you. Stay safe ya. out there, people. <laughs> Stay home. Stay safe. He waved. <laughs> Read Jeremy uh, Mao's Little Red Book. <laughs> yeah. it will, no, it will prepare you for what's to come. I'm telling <laughs> Do it. All right. See you guys next week. Bye.